0: Welcome to everyone online. I'm so glad that you're joining us. Maybe you'll never be able to be in the room um, because you're in Uzbekistan or Tribekistan or Ethiopia, because that's way better to say. Um, but wherever you are, we're just so glad that you're joining because the church is alive. I want to insist that you know this. Jesus promised that his church is alive and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, okay? It's, it's a forward-moving church okay, it's a taking ground, not taking retreat church, okay, and that's what we're a part of, and so I'm excited, as always, to bring the word to you today, it's going to be fun. Oh, I'm so pumped. Okay, um, brief, brief, bring you up to speed. If you're joining us for the first time tonight, we're going through a bit of a theme at the moment called rule and reign, and uh, basically, we're just looking at the keys to the kingdom. We're looking at what it means to be citizens. Um, and participants in a kingdom that we experience um, here, but it's not yet the full reality of it, okay? It's something that is both um, a future kingdom and a present kingdom, Um, and it's a kingdom in which God is the king and the ruler. Um, He is the God over all. In fact, in Psalms, um, Psalms chapter 103, verse 19, it says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Okay, so this is the kingdom we're talking about. Okay, and Jesus said, Jesus comes on the scene um, in the Bible about 2,000 years ago. Not just in the Bible, but actually in history. He's a person in history. Um, and, and he comes on the scene about 2,000 years ago, and he gets baptized, and then he goes into the wilderness. And when he comes back out of the wilderness being tempted by the devil himself and conquering the devil in that moment okay, he comes back and he, the Bible says that he begins to preach this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, okay, so we as a church decided, what does it mean to be a part of that kingdom, what does that look like, what, what does that mean when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is here, and so that's what we're going to look at today, um, I've got a couple of, two scriptures that I want to highlight to you and a bunch of others that I haven't given to the team because this message was like giving birth, and I just wasn't ready for those other scriptures yet, okay? Um, if you know what giving... But anyway, we're going to read some scriptures. Matthew chapter 13, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to read chapter, uh, verses 44 to 46. So three quick verses. And it says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant selling beautiful pearls, who, when he had one pearl of great price, he went and sold it, um, sold all that he had and bought it. And then one more scripture, Psalm 34, verse 7 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let's pray. Father God, I feel an immense weight over what you've asked me to deliver here tonight. And although the simplicity of what you want to communicate through me is um, singular in its focus, it is potent beyond what I can bear on my own. And so I ask that you would take whatever words I have tonight and make them your own. I ask that wherever I fall short, that would be my shortcomings and nothing to do with you. And wherever there is anything worthy of glory or praise, it is all for you, Jesus. We pray that more than anything, every single person hearing my voice tonight or on a podcast later on or or wherever they might be finding themselves listening to this message, God, that they would recognize just how great and mighty and how privileged we are to have you, Jesus, in your mighty name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. There are some um, significant moments that stand out to me in my um, schooling career. School was a mixed bag for me. You know, like, some days were great, other days were not so great. Um, you know, when I was in grade um, two, I had, a, um, I had a teacher called Miss Mitchell. Um, and if she's still alive, she's probably tapped into the, like, immortality. Because she was old back then. Um, and I mean, like, anyway. Um, and I, Miss Mitchell was, for me, like, the crankiest old lady I've ever met. I got... We're talking grade two people. I got detention like so many times, just for being a um, bubbly, spontaneous, um, includer of others in the conversation, um, and talking lots in class, and just I just wanted to be engaged, you know? Um, I like if, if I want to learn something, I've got to be in dialogue with you, um, whether you're the teacher in the lecturer, or the person just having a one-on-one chat. like, like I've, if, if you want me to stay involved, I've got to be able to talk at least 90% of the time. Um, and so for some reason, I didn't understand a grade two, but Miss Mitchell just had it out for me. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, grade six. Uh, no, no, grade five. We, we did this day in grade five, um, in, in the theme, we were learning about um, Tom Sawyer. And so you had to come dressed as your favorite Tom Sawyer character. For some reason, that just stood out to me. It's a memory that I have. Um, grade six, we had this day called Medieval Day. And so the whole term, we were learning about um, the medieval times in history. Kind of like, you know, like 1000 AD or maybe a little bit earlier to like, you know, I don 't know fifteen hundred sixteen hundred eighty you know when knights were things when, when there was castles and you know all the boys are like, yeah like there were swords and shields and you know princes and princesses and kings and queens, and you know one kingdom would decide to attack another kingdom and another kingdom would retaliate and like the French and the English were just like at each other like all the times and then one time the Germans got involved, it was like you know like it was like really interesting stuff, and I remember you had to get dressed up for this medieval day and and you know, we weren't um, super affluent growing up. And so my mum was like, oh, you can borrow, like, a friend's outfit who went, like, who's a couple of years ahead of you. And I was like, great, what are they guys? And they're like, they decided, of all the things you could pick under this theme, right, they decided to go as not a king or a queen, God bless him, uh, or, or a, like, not even a knight, not even, like, a squire, you know, like, not even, like, a, a dude with a sword without any title. No, you know what they decided to go as? A peasant. <laughs> so I'm like, Mom. She's like, look, I even got the, the costume for you already. It's like literally a Hessian bag. <laughs> I'm like, I am... No! <laughs> I like go into my room, start confessing scripture over my life. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, um, You know, like, you know, like just remind myself of my identity. I did take said Hessian bag, and I did wear it, but then I put a little brown belt around it, and I made myself a sword. Um, Went into the garage, took some of dad's tools, found some woods from somewhere, nails, hammer, solved the problem, okay? Now I was a very lowly squire, (laughs) but I had a sword, and uh, I had a great day, you know? I I got into a fight on the oval, of all things, because you let a bunch of boys in grade six get dressed up as knights, kings, princes, lowly squires, um, and give them permission to run around with weapons <laughs> there was an all-out brawl in the middle of the oval where we were just having like an absolute sword fight someone took my sword and then I ended up with someone's quarter staff. and then like I was fi- anyway it was it was just a great day and I was I was thinking about this theme that story popped into mind and I began to think about all the things I learned about different kingdoms opposing forces Different agendas, different political systems, different um, ideologies around how kingdoms should be run, and and then I got thinking about obviously trying to bring something to this table and trying to hear God and you know bring something to this moment tonight. And I was like, God, what do you want to what do you want to speak about? Like, there's so much in the kingdom of God. Like, we could like I, I I I like almost had to like take a moment. I was like, there is like so much under the banner of kingdom that I could go into. Like, I was like, like, I've done a degree in theology and ministry, and, like, I'm like, where do I even begin? Like, I'm literally overwhelmed. Like, there's so much. Like, we could go into theology. We could go into, like, we could go into different things that Jesus spoke about specifically about what the Kingdom of God is like. We could talk, tackle some of the parables we could look, we could look at heaven and hell, we could look at revelation and, and what it means like when, when it comes about the coming kingdom, not alone just or all we, all we could focus on the present kingdom and what that means and like i'm like beginning to like hyperventilate as i 'm preparing, just going i can't there's so much like it's like all my, my brain just went you know like, ah. I'm like, I need a point of reference. I need some form of anchor. And and I did what I always do in those moments. And I took a deep breath and I went to the Bible. And I said, God, what do you want to say? God, what do you, like of all the things that you could say tonight, what would you say to these people? And God took me to a scripture that we read in Matthew. And he impressed upon me this scripture. Matthew's... in, in. Chapter 13, Jesus is giving story after story about what the kingdom of heaven's like. And he's talking in parables. And if you read the whole chapter, Jesus is explaining to the disciples that actually I'm going to talk in parables to everybody else. But to you guys, it's been given the opportunity and the ability to know what I'm talking about. And I'll go into details. This is what Jesus was saying to the disciples. But to everybody else, he just gave these like cool little like stories or even bigger stories. You know, it's like he talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a dragnet or the kingdom of heaven being like a field of wheat or the kingdom of heaven being like these other things. And then we get the scriptures that we read at about three quarters of the way through in Matthew. And I'll read it to you again. It says this The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You've got to imagine that this guy is like, just like, and whenever I picture this, like, I, you put yourself in the story, right? Like, when you're reading scripture. And so I'm picturing myself as this dude who's just walking in a field. I don't know, like, it's Jesus' day. So there's no, like, metal detectors. There's no, like, you know, sonar, geographical, like, help in any sense. There's, like, a dude with a, maybe a shovel. Maybe a really bad shovel at that, you know? And he's somehow digging in this field that's not his, right? And he finds this treasure, and he's like, you know, like, nothing to see here, you know? Goes away and sells everything, right? And so I take the Bible literally. I believe the Bible is, word for word, the Word of God. So if it's in there, I'm unless explicitly said otherwise i'm going to try and take it as literal as possible okay i believe it when the bible says that it would be better for you to enter lame into the kingdom of heaven than to enter into hell whole bodied okay you know if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out i've i've considered it okay and then and then god's like it's okay i've it. so i read the scripture and it goes he sells everything to buy the field so i picture this dude rocking up to the real estate? I don't know. But he rocks up to whoever's selling the field and he goes, I'd like to buy the field. I'll give you everything I have. And he just like, you know, just starts loading out onto the counter everything he has. And the guy's like, well, you said everything. And he's like, yeah, that's everything. He's like, you've got clothes on? He's like, oh. (laughs) Okay. I suppose, like, everything? (laughs) And he's just like, same with the pearl, right? Like, let's keep reading. He's like, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he found one of great price, went and sold everything he had, and he bought it. And, and I've got to be honest with you. Can I be real? For the longest period of time, walking with, my, walking with Jesus, walking with God, reading the scripture time and time again, the image that always comes to mind when I read the pearl story it's a naked dude holding a giant pearl. Like, just like, like, I got the pearl and I sold literally everything. And he's just like, thank you, like. You know, like. And I always was just like, how is this economically the best decision? Like, I don't get it, God. Like, this seems dumb. A, you can't go then to Woolworths with a pearl naked and buy clothes. Not that you would buy clothes from Woolworths, but desperate times. Like, you know, like, get to the closest store you can. I'll just take trackies and a shirt, please. Don't forget undies. I just need coverage, all right? Like, I just, like, I can't like, how does this work? Like, I've just got this amazing pearl of great price, all this treasure, right, that's, like, amazing. But how do I, like, I don't want to then spend that. I don't want to then cash that in. I don't want to, because I did everything just to get that. So how does this make sense that I would obtain this thing, but lose everything else? Not lose isn't even the right word, but willingly give up, willingly give over, willingly trade. How is, God, it doesn't make sense. And for the longest period of time, it still never made sense. And so I, it's not that I skipped over it, but I just went, okay, like maybe there's more to it. God will show me. And today, not today specifically, but when I was preparing for this message, it's like the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I saw it. For the first time ever, I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. And this is pretty much the entire point of my whole message. So if, if you get this, you've got it, right? It might be where I'm at personally, my walk with God. It might simply be that God was merciful on me and just knew that I needed a point for this message. But I suspect, based on the character of God, and when I look at his plan over the whole biblical narrative, when I look at the scripture at its entirety and what it's trying to portray to us, what it's trying to tell us about God, what what the entire narrative of the Bible reveals about God and what he's done to counter the impact of sin and the separation that we experience from God because of our sin, I think this revelation that God showed me that I'm about to tell you is the epicenter and the epitome of all that God has been trying to get us to get to. Okay, I, I think it's I think it's the the absolute center of what God's been trying to communicate since the Garden of Eden. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to put too like unnecessary weight on what I'm about to tell you, but like if you get this, it can set you free. Like if you get this, it will change. Everything about your life. These three verses in Matthew chapter 13 give us in parable form the key to understanding the kingdom of God in a dimension that if you get, well, we'll, like, there's just not enough words in the English language. Are you ready? Holy Spirit, help me to deliver this like you should because my goodness, I don't know if I'm ready. Here we go. This is the thing. This is the key. This is the revelation when you get the kingdom when you come to the kingdom you ready this is it you get the king do you actually understand what that means like when we come to the kingdom of god when we discover what we have found in the kingdom of god we get the king The king above all ages, the God of all glory, the the one who made everything, the one who laid down his life for you and I, the Jesus who came sinless, perfect and holy, came and lived the life that we should have lived but were unable to. He died the death that we definitely should have died but didn't have to because of what he did. We get the king. He is the pearl of great price. He is the treasure in the field. He's the thing that when we get it, we go, oh my gosh, yes, sell everything. My gosh, take it. I just need Jesus. It's, it's him. We get the king. I can't even begin to articulate it in enough words. There is no kingdom without the king. Like you don't get a democracy in the kingdom of heaven. There is no republic. Where we have a president that we voted for. No, he's the king of all ages. He always has been. He always will be. Your opinion doesn't matter. Sorry to burst that bubble. You will come and go and he'll still be sitting on the throne. And yet, he chose you. And that's where your opinion does matter. It's valued because he says it's valuable. You're valuable because he says you're you're valuable because he's the king. What he says goes. It's not even like um, what he says goes because he said it it must be. It's It's like if Jesus decided to say that the earth was square, the earth would make itself square. It wouldn't be that we thought square, round things were square. It would be that the square, the round thing became a square. It would be like saying that if God said the, the, the sky is red, the sky would turn red. It would just be as he said it would be because that's who, he's the king. And we get him. We, we don't just like get to come and be like, oh, like yeah, oh, awesome, I'd like to participate in the kingdom if you'd let me. It's like, no, no. He goes, if you want in on the kingdom, you get me. Jesus said, I am the gateway. No one comes into the kingdom. No one comes to the Father except through me. You get the king. And, and that's enough. Like, we could stop the message right now, bring back the band, we'll just praise and worship for the rest of the night. We get the king. Like, He's the God of all ages, the king of the universe, the the ruler of time, space, and matter. The highest, greatest, most amazing, most majestic, most phenomenal, whether you believe in him or not, doesn't matter. He still exists and your belief in him doesn't diminish him or make him any better. He just is. He's the king. And we get him. It just costs us everything. It just costs us absolutely everything. Jesus said, "If you want to gain life, you must lose your life." And this is the paradox. We get him when we exalt him in our hearts. Our hearts begin to long for him, and what we desire, what he desires, we then begin to desire ourselves. As the Bible says, "As we draw near to him, he draws near to us," and that's only because of initially he drew near to us in the first place. Like, can you imagine? Like, if I slapped Cam, apart from the fact that he's got more reach than me, and he'd probably try to whack me back. If we had a disagreement and I slapped him, he'd probably be pretty ticked, but we'd work it out because we're brothers in Christ. If I get into an Ubered car and I slap the Uber driver, what do you think the Uber driver's going to do? He's probably going to kick me out, at best. <laughs> at worst, it could get much messier. What if I walked up to a police officer? <laughs> Some of you are like, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> and I slap a police officer. What do you think is happening? I'm getting handcuffed and we're going to the big house, aren't we? What if I walked up to ScoMo? I'm like, come on, big, baddie, big daddy. Let's bang! Bang! You remember, that? you remember when George W. Bush got a shoe thrown at him? Like, that's what, like... Imagine I walk up to the Queen of England. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think's happening if I slap the Queen of England? I'm probably getting beheaded. Like, we're going old school Henry VIII type stuff. You know, bring out the guillotine. What if I slap God? What do you think that's like? What type of response do you think that garners? Because that's what happens, that's what our sin is to God it's a slap in the face. Because God, as the king, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us all the the life that we have, the very air that we breathe. It's not even ours. We own nothing. We came into this world naked. We leave this world naked. We, We have nothing to offer him in any sense. Anything we gain in this life through the work that you do, through the materials that you have, through the assets you build, it's worth nothing. In comparison to the king. And so our lives lived in a way that doesn't honor him, doesn't glorify him, doesn't put him first, doesn't make him uno number one, lives in, in fact, rebellion to him, does what we want with our time because we think even that's our own, which it's not. Everything in your life is God's and it's only given to you on the grounds of stewardship and because he decided to. And it's a test to see how you'll do, what you'll do with the life that he's given you. And the fact that he gives you 70 or so plus years to figure it out is an act of sheer mercy, grace and patience on his behalf. Because God knows he didn't need even give us that long. But he did. And he gives us the opportunity to hear messages like this where it says, you know what? He, you don't have to live in rebellion to God. You don't have to live in a way that, that slaps God in the face by the way that you act. You can actually live in a way that honors him, glorifies him, and, and brings um, other people into the understanding of him. But all of that is secondary to the fact that we get the king. Do you realize that when you get to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not coming into relationship with a cool friend, although he is a cool friend. You're coming into relationship with the king of the universe. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I can't do this enough justice, guys. He's the king. We don't even get it. I can't articulate this clearly enough. More, I couldn't put enough effort. So I just want to keep going around and around this point. He's the king over everything. And yet he decided on, on his own good grace and mercy to choose you, to choose me, to say, hey, I want you. And I give you the option. The choice to choose me back. Like, do you realize Jesus went to the cross on an option? Jesus went to the cross on a maybe? Like, not even like, oh, it's guaranteed, you'll pick me. No. The Bible says that, that broad is the way and uh, that leads to destruction, and many go on it. And, and narrow is the path that leads to life, and few find it. That tells me that more people are probably going to not choose Jesus than will choose Jesus. So excuse me if I'm a little bit passionate about making sure that we as a church are standing on the understanding that we get the king. And the reason we get the king is to become like the king. We get the king to become like the king. We get to this point in our walk as we we choose to follow Jesus and we recognize that Jesus came and he died for us and, and then he offers us this life that, like, the fact that we get the king should be enough. Like, full stop, that's enough. But then he chooses to bless us. Then he chooses to give us a purpose for our life, that our our days have meaning and and significance and we can make a contribution and we we actually get to co-labor with God. Like God says, I'll partner with you because you've decided to choose me and we'll outwork my purposes here on the earth. And I've, in fact, I've given you gifts, I've given you talents, I've given you some time, uh, I've given you the ability to earn wealth, the Bible says. I'll protect you, I'll look after you, I'll heal you, I'll make you whole. When you're walking through tough times, I'll walk with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my world will never fail, never leave you. I'll be there with you even to the end of the age, he says. Like all those things are just sheer acts of grace that God gives us on top of the fact that we get the king. And then he says, I want to make you like me. That you can rule with me. That you can reign with me. That you can outwork what I originally intended in the garden to have dominion over the earth and outwork my plans and my purposes be, be in union with me and be in communion with me like Ben was talking about and we can do this together through conversation and through relationship and, and he goes I don't just let you do that on your dev- own, own device I, I want you to become more like me we get the king to become like the king You know, here tonight some of you here you you don't know Jesus or at best you used to and it, it, maybe it's just your Sunday thing now or or maybe it's something that you've walked away maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus others of you you you, you knew Jesus in fact you used to be on fire for him you used to live wholeheartedly like it, he was your everything. And you've walked away, or life's taken you away, or different circumstance situations, you feel let down by God for some reason. Listen, if we have to suffer through this whole entire life for 70, 80, 90 years only to realize that we've made all the right choices in the midst of that suffering to obtain Jesus and have an eternity with him in absolute bliss and perfect wholeness because of who he is and his good grace to us, then that 70 years is definitely worth it. 70 years is like a flick to the size of this stage. Like it's, just like it's like a grain of sand in the corner of that wall over there and eternity is the rest of the, the auditorium. I can't possibly make eternity bigger. Like, I can't possibly over-exaggerate just how big eternity is and how much worth it it is to spend our life for the King. To give our life to His service, to, to throw everything we have, to trade everything we've got, to give our entire lives. And I'm talking about this from the perspective of the guy that from the age of six, I've followed Jesus At times, maybe not wholeheartedly, but more or less, my testimony is pretty much I knew Jesus at six. I felt called at eight. I made a decision to make the faith my own at 14 instead of it being my parents' thing that I I was going to get myself to church regardless of what was happening. And ever since then, I've followed Jesus. And I'm 31 going on 32. And I haven't regretted a day of it for my life. And I'm only now getting this revelation that it's for the king. We get the king. Like, I thought it was awesome that we got a call. I thought it was awesome that we got forgiven. I thought it was awesome that we got healed or got blessed or got protected or any of the other benefits. But all of those things pale in comparison to the fact that we get the king.